environmentalism as a whole, it's just really bad marketing. <laughs> I'm going to quiz you. Before you ever got into this work or had a conversation with me, you probably have an image of something when you thought of the environmental movement. And so my question to you is, what was that thing? Trees. Okay. Yeah, I think, I'm thinking trees are like an image of the earth, a cartoon image of the earth. So I will share with you that for me, it was polar bears. And I tell you what, you want to really make me mad. <laughs> and it's show me a polar bear and say, this is environmentalism. Now, no shade on polar bears. I'm sure they're lovely creatures. I've never met one. They don't live where I live. I can tell you where I live. We are experiencing climate change and the impacts of it practically daily. And there isn't a polar bear to be found. I've got flooding um, from sea level rise. I've got sunny day flooding just from a high tide. And then, you know, the hurricane season seems to extend wider and wider every year. So keep your polar bears. Let's put people on the cover. It has been a season. I've hugged my son. I hugged my son, but I wanted to hug your son. Oh, goodness. I've cried about our future. I had complicated feelings and arguments about marching in a pandemic. And I literally tried to meditate away reality. I read some books. I got my senator on speed dial. But still, there is so much more work to do. That's why we're back. And this is Your Neighbor's Hood. The, the season, season of, of solutions. solutions. With Hannah and Jackie. So we were so excited to have you join us for this conversation. You're one of the first people that I met when I moved to this region, when I immediately was seeking out uh, in environmental folks who were cracking skulls in the environmental sector. <laughs> so can you introduce yourself and tell us how you came to this work? Absolutely. And thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Hannah, for inviting me. I listen to you often and I am honored to be on your show. My name is Kim Sutterth. And I came to this work actually being born and raised in Hampton Roads. You are in this work, whether you know it or not. I think everyone can tell you a story about either getting their car stuck in a flooded intersection or, you know, being in the grocery store, buying bread and milk because a hurricane is coming. And also milk sandwiches seem to be the theme every time that's hurricane season with the milk and the bread purchases. That was a joke, you missed it. That's okay, we'll go back and get it. <laughs> we'll go back and get it. Um, <laughs> um, but, 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 but uh, aside from just living here my whole life, I started doing this work formally and professionally when I was uh, hired on as a, a community organizer with a group called Mothers Out Front. Uh, Mothers Out Front is an, actually a movement of mothers, grandmothers, and people who have children in their lives that they care about. And what we care about right now almost immediately is climate and having a livable climate for our children in the future. So that's how we I ended up coming into this work professionally. Just in hearing your polar bear commentary really sets the stage, I think, for you wanting to put the people in this party which is probably the most important piece, the most impactful piece. And so I guess I'd love to know a little bit more about 
What does that look like for you right now, putting people in this party? Because you asked us, I saw a tree. <laughs> Hannah saw the cartoon Earth. So like, how do people, how do we put people in this, in this party? How we do it is, I, I think, if anyone, you asked me, I was gonna say if anyone asked me, but you did. Um, I think that going out and talking to people and asking them, what does environmentalism mean to them? What does climate change? How does it directly affect you? What's happening here in Hampton Roads is completely different than what's happening in California with you know mudslides and you know forest fires or brush fires. So, but talking to people and making that connection because some folks will just say, oh, well, it's just hurricane season and maybe not draw the connection that, oh gosh, there's 12 hurricanes out in the Atlantic this year and that number keeps going up and I'm in Hurricane Alley at this point. And then after talking with people and finding out what they're most concerned about, the next thing is empowering them to do something about it. Some people could say that, you know, well, I can't do anything about a hurricane. Probably can't. But you know what you can do? You can impress upon Dominion Energy to start using renewable energy and stop putting dirty fossil fuels emissions into the atmosphere causing climate change. We can talk about why uh, many of the low-lying areas in Hampton Roads are more susceptible to flooding which also affects the availability of affordable housing. So if you're already low income, now you've got to find a place that's dry and affordable. Again, I can tell this story over and over again, but we have to invite people who are directly affected by the these situations to actually speak out. So speaking of which, I'm just learning that there's just so much that I didn't know. And so for me, it's a relatively new concept. So I don't know if it's been around for a while. Intersectional environmentalism. So why are anti-racism and environmental protections so closely linked? That is a great question. And Hannah, I'll just share with you, I'm still learning too. I think on, I will say, if I can give you a great big picture and then we can kind of drill down. Many of the wars that are being fought right now have a connection to climate change, where you might have this region and um, you know what, gosh, this is a drought and it's been a drought for the last three or four years. And the most fertile land, you know, it's getting to a point where it's few and far between. Now, I'm a warlord and I want, (laughs) I'm just, telling you in my day job, I'm a warlord and I want this fertile ground just for me. And um, but then there's this other warlord on the other side of that fertile ground and, and she wants it for her, too. So guess what? Now she and I got a lot of talking to do and there are people in between and now they got to run away. Now they're refugees. Now you've got thousands of people rushing to the border of a country that doesn't want them because of a war over resources that are dwindling because of climate change. So that comes to mind when we talk about racism and its link to environmentalism or climate issues. I believe that much of what we see along our border, even today, are people fleeing conflict that is 
that come about over the um, co- competition over resources, um, over there not being any, if you're a family and your tradition has been, you are, you harvest fruits and vegetables and things like that. Well, guess what? They're all dried up. I got to go where the jobs are and they're not here anymore because climate change. Um, I think about now we can get more local when you think about environmental issues and um, racism there. And I'm happy to share this with you later, but there are overlays where you can see where redlined areas are also areas that have the most air pollution, where highways are were intentionally drawn to bisect black communities. And now you have all of these emissions from all the cars and every child in the neighborhood has asthma. So there are definitely intersections over and over and over again. And that's why I say that, you know, it it is going to take all of us to solve climate change and to also resolve um, climate injustices. So interesting enough, like you say that, and I hear and I see people like me in that conversation. I see people as a friend of mine just told me the other day, her son calls her friend, her, calls his non-white friends, the, his multi-hue friends, <laughs> which is mature, right? We're all a hue of brown. So I see the multi-hue of people, but then on the flip side, I also see white women. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why do you think that I'm also curious as to why environmentalism is so closely related to this white people thing, because essentially when we look at, I mean, I'd never even thought of environmentalism as a race based issue until I got deeper into work and working with people like Hannah. It's just like, nah, I didn't really think about the environment. It's not that I'm not a tree hugger, again, that perception. But why do you think that? Why do you think it's considered just this white thing? Well, I will say that, first of all, again, bad marketing. Um, and so, um, you know, when you are dealing with your daily microaggressions, being a black woman in this country, um, and I'll specifically say being a black woman in the South, you're going to deal with microaggressions from the moment you leave your house until you get back home and maybe even then, too. Um then you've got your family to take care of and and maybe you don't have the full support system that you wish you had. Priorities start to, uh, environmentalism as a whole starts to go down on the priority list. To that end, if you live a very privileged lifestyle Mm -hmm. where uh, your income isn't needed in order to sustain your family, so maybe you are a stay-at-home mother, Again, working your butt off. I'm never going to discount that. But you actually have time to say, you know, I'm going to write an op-ed about my concerns with the trees and and such and thus. You know, Um, I have that time to do that, that space to do it, maybe even the encouragement. Um, Because when I show up to the meeting or when I show up to the rally, it's other women that look just like me who maybe I share a carpool with, with our kids. And so now it turns into almost an exclusive club. So if you have this tradition of a certain demographic that shows up 
consistently, it begins to take on, that's what environmentalism looks like, you know, granola bars and, you know, comfortable sandals. When, to the point where when I show up, um, people are genuinely surprised. Hi, <laughs> hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's okay. Hannah, I feel like you're about to say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to, as the white person here say it's also because white people have been exclusionary thinking back about white women and when there was you know the right to vote it's not that the people of many hues were not there all along they were there they are here and the whiteness is not broadcasting that or sharing it or including it as we see which brings us to Vanessa Nakate who's also a young environmentalist out of Kenya. And why is her name less well-known than Greta Thunberg, who's everywhere, has a documentary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Who's brilliant, not knocking Greta. Yeah. Like, let the word be known, but just saying that there are, I mean, Vanessa is in a country where she's, her signs are saying, this is happening right here to us. We are not having, we yeah. don't have water right now. We feel one degree. You guys are talking about something else. We're, this is happening right now. Pay attention. Right. Um, I think I heard a, a clip from Greta saying, um, you know, we only have nine years and, and that is urgent, <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. absolutely urgent. Nine years. Oh, tick tock. But then you've got Vanessa who's saying right now, this minute happening to us. It is very unfortunate. But it's true that if you're black, if you're brown, if you're poor, if you're isolated, if you're disabled, you will be affected by climate change first and worst. And the, unfor- the more unfortunate than that is that um, there are not going to be a whole lot of people who care. And I say that and that's sobering and it brings a tear to my eye, but I think that it also is an opportunity. So if nobody's coming, guess who's got to save us? Us. So we have to keep talking and we've got to keep pressing. And Greta might get the documentary and that's fine, but I'm also seeing where Greta is inviting other folks like, yep, I get it. White girl, blonde, blue eyed, very attractive for the cameras. Let me introduce you to my friend, Vanessa. She's doing this work too. Mm -hmm. And make sure some of that shine gets on her as well. So I I love that. I love that Greta is doing that. But unfortunately, you know, Vanessa and Kim and Jackie, we don't quite fit the, uh, what is it called when the police stop you? Um, We don't fit the description. Uh, (laughs) The usual description. Yet, yet. I feel like something else I'm hearing is like a sense of authority, right? There is this sense of authority that I think has been given to specifically white women, right? Like a sense of authority that you have, you have every right to question why these things are happening. It's sort of going back to your the, the conversation you were having around, you know, why is it considered a white person thing? It's like, yeah, you have the right to question these things. I mean, I think I've felt it in the, the educational sector of just being a parent, mm-hmm. like, and we just went through this with listening to nice white parents and these sort of things. And I just think with being a white American, you feel like you have the right to challenge these systems. 
like you have every right but on the other side on the other side on the on the multi-hue side specifically the ones of african descent it's like i look i i don't got time for that or not even i don't have time for that or it's like you know what the perception could be that i'll be x y and z it's a lot of concern about what people will think of you griping because we are um marketed as lazy uh angry uh, all these different things back to you know that marketing piece we're marketing as these things so there's not necessarily a sense of authority to say you can't do you can't build this highway here you can't put this billboard up in my neighborhood you 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 can't let the water run off like that over here it's like you know what i got a house i got food i got this but then you also have every right to say nah not here like that's not okay and i think that's a that is a paradigm shift that second class citizen thing is also going to take generations of shifting the paradigm about who has the right to um to call out a wrong who has the right to bring accountability um account accountability for for us so it all kind of goes down to fundamentally the beginning of this who started this movement <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, before we go to the who started it, and yeah. I want to thank you as much as I think I know about environmental and climate justice, I did not know Hazel Johnson's name. And I'm very grateful for you to introduce me to her. I am familiar with her movement, trying to get environmental justice in where she lived in Chicago. I just, again, black and she's a woman and low wealth. And just unfortunately, you know, her name should be on the tip of my tongue at all times. So if I can um, disparage her a little bit more and make her wait before we talk about her. Um, (laughs) Like, give me a minute, Hazel, we'll get to you. But I did want to speak to what Jackie, you just said about not having time talking to, um, we'll say specifically black people. I don't have time for this. What's the point? No one's listening. I'm going to get down there and they're going to, you know, they'll assign stereotypes to me and and dismiss me. That is that is how oppression works. If you if I can fix it so that you won't even advocate for yourself, it makes it easier for me to oppress you. So when there is runoff that I'd like to get resolved, when I hear someone say, you know, I just don't have time, what I think I hear is it will be a waste of my time. I'm going to get down there and nothing's going to get done. I'm going to get my hopes up Mm -hmm. and then nothing will get done and I'll get Mm -hmm. disappointed again. Mm -hmm. How about I just stay where I am and do what I do and make whatever this issue is, just make it work. I'll just figure it out. Um, I think that part of my mission, and I'll just share with you my hallelujah, sunshine reason for living is empowering people who normally would have just said nothing and get them to the point where they're not just showing up to the city council meeting, but they're going walking up to the podium for their three minutes and then afterward holding that same city council accountable, showing up with a sign and a megaphone that's that's where the magic is and i feel like that's part of my job not for me to show up and do that but to encourage 
one meeting 10 women, next meeting 20, next thing you know, it's 100 of us standing outside asking hard questions and demanding answers. Mm. I'm, I'm pausing for effect. That was good. She put that demanding answers. I said, mm huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Demanding answers. That's right. Hi. And the thing is, if I can geek out a little bit more, the thing is, is that when you show up and it's not the usual suspects, right? It's not those who normally fit the description when, and especially when they're all mixed up together. So you got black moms, white moms, Spanish speaking moms, you've got gay moms and, you know, religious moms and all of them show up and talk about that one thing. Politicians. Now, here's another pop quiz. What's a politician's job? Service the people, pass policy and legislation that service the people. That sounds like a public servant. No, a politician's job is to get reelected. Oh, <laughs> so when they see all of these women showing up, they're not counting 10 women. They're counting 100 votes. And especially in local elections, your career can be decided by those 100 votes. So that's power. And mm. I think that when we collect a group of people who have been disenfranchised, marginalized, powerless for so long, the idea of being powerful it's so foreign that when I say, hey, let's go down to city council, they say, I don't have time. Back to your original point. Okay, I don't wanna let Hazel wait anymore. Can we go ahead and talk about Hazel? Go on, get it, girl. Okay, I knew nothing about Hazel until Hannah emailed me um, the questions, but I was familiar with her fight in Chicago and it's discouraging for me that her name isn't synonymous with the environmental justice movement. And um, I will add her to my growing list of icons. So let's shout out the white woman in the room real quick, because yes, let's shout out the white lady in the room who, look, don't give that face because you brought this, I didn't know who Hazel Johnson was either. And she's not alone. There's a list of people that I've found through following intersectional environmentalists and a bunch of different things that we will post and share. We're not even bringing into account, I mean, we, we specifically on this podcast tend to focus in on the uh, black experience and the white experience, and that leaves out so many voices in between and so many populations of people who have been showing up for a long time and who have been not heard through the wall of whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know about her myself until just a year ago and could, couldn't you know, went through all the stages of anger and grief and all that that I didn't know about her. But ultimately, we need to, it's not too late. She did what she did, and we can pick up the torch and move forward with that. What did she do? Hannah, would you enlighten us, please? What did she do, Hannah? She is called the mother of environmental justice. She got me wanting to start a community recovery group. I'm like, that's a people for community recovery? That sounds real good. You guys, I did not know that she was an early mentor to Barack Obama. Of course Uh, she is. She was the wife and mother of seven children. She was a community activist. She was an ambassador of Altgeld Gardens. Argeld. She was a- Argeld. 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 Altgeld? Argeld. Argeld Gardens. Argeld Gardens. Okay, thank you. (laughs) 
She was a thorn in the side of the Chicago waste industry, and she's the mother of the environmental justice movement. So she was working to clean up the her corner of Chicago's southeast side. She made them test the water because they wasn't doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, y'all going to fix this. Mm-hmm. But here we go. We're thinking about the problems that, that Hazel was trying to address. Same things happening in communities around the country. Our super, super power country. Same stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, different, different day. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Homegirl was like surveying. Homegirl, mm-hmm. she was like the this. The, this is the thing, and this is where that privilege, you know, the privilege of 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 heart. Because I feel like you know, being a good person at heart, I feel like I am very fortunate that I was granted with that. At least I think I got a good heart. But I'm looking at somebody like Hazel, and I'm like, she was the Department of Health. She was Public yes. Works. She was. <laughs> she, she was a uh, uh, records and 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 all these things for her co- her her corner of the world, and she mm-hmm. did that. The internet wasn't popping in 1984. <laughs> okay, so this she's I don't understand that kind of magic that she had. Well, okay, so can I just say this? Okay, part of the system of oppression. No, you know, is to share it as if it were magic. I'm going to make a bunch of wild assumptions, okay? Miss okay. um, Johnson did not do this alone. Miss mm-hmm. Johnson right. couldn't do this alone. Mm-hmm. What I will say, based off of zero other than what Hannah has shared with me today and what little teensy bit I was able to glean just from a Google search, I venture a guess that Miss Johnson had a full network of moms of other black women who lived in Altgeld um, Gardens and that all was meant for everybody to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they applied that same network, that same organizing with this um, this issue that they were having with the skin diseases, high res- rates of respiratory and pulmonary diseases. So they did what they've always done in this realm for the, these issues. Um, but it's it's not magical. It ain't easy. Mm-hmm, but it, mm-hmm. it is. It's a thing. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. And I, I think about what she lost. Mm hmm. You know, her husband, she lost her husband. I, I don't know if that was a precipice to this fight, but it was like, you know, I imagine that it was both the the, the need of the community and her loss that, that fueled her to, to be all these different things and to, to galvanize in the way that she did. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it makes me want to talk about sustainability for ourselves as people who want change in our communities, because to your point, Kim, you can't, it can't be a one person, one woman show all the time. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a village of people that pull together. And it feels like we have more and more, at least, at least the, the world that I live in feels like much less village centered than it has been, or it is maybe in other places. 
and it makes it feel like you're doing so much alone and that isn't sustainable. And so I think that might be a thing that shies people away from jumping in more deeply into intersectional environmentalism or into any one of these plights that we're trying to face or any one of these umbrellas that we're discussing mm-hmm. in this season. Mm-hmm. I think what I like so much about some of the stuff that I've been seeing through this intersectional environmentalism group that I'm following on Instagram is that a lot of it is just about like radical rest and ways to take care of yourself so that you can jump in and you can keep going. Like, let yourself have this week to grieve. Let yourself have this moment of rest. Don't get swept up in this. I mean, it's hard not to get swept up in urgency Mm -hmm. when we're talking about environment because, like, the clock is actually ticking. But, you know, you got to stay in it. If you burn quick, if you burn out quick, then you're not going to be there to make real change. You're absolutely right. I once heard from someone smarter than me that said that sometimes the fastest way to go is slow. And it's frustrating because you want to take care of everything right now. I know that I haven't designed it yet, but I do want to create like a protest that sign that says, when I fall, someone pick this sign up and keep moving it forward. Because that has, it can't just be Kim and it certainly can't just be Hannah or it just can't be Jackie. It's got to be all of us. And some of us are going to have to sit a piece of this out. Get the rest, read the book, take a bubble bath, whatever self-care looks like to you. Frankly, I go to the batting cage. I hit a very small thing with a very hard thing and I feel great afterward. That is self-care for Kim. Mm -hmm. But I can't do that and be at every meeting. So sometimes Kim has to bow out for a little while and Hannah Mm -hmm. and Jackie can say, and that's okay, Kim, we got it. And when you're ready, when you're up, then Jackie can take her turn for rest. This is generative. This is how we keep the movement going. Mm -hmm. So it's leading to the RE sort of at a time. I guess it's more so just hearing you as like, are we out of people? And I think the answer is not. Not we are not we're we're not out of time, are we, or out of people? Because I don't see I don't see there being a huge shift that'll stop this work from being ever present within the next several generations. Well, my hope is that I work myself out of a job. Climate change is done, and then I can go on to um, <laughs> <laughs> to another issue. But we won't run out of people. And again, speaking to and Hannah, I love that you're following that group on Instagram about intersectionality, we're all still learning. I can imagine where, let's say that we have resolved climate change, there's still those intersectional issues, they may still remain. So pick up that sign, get after racism, pick up that sign, get after ableism, pick up that sign, get after you know xenophobia. Like the work will always be there. And, and I don't know, and maybe I'm just a masochist, but I love it. hallelujah sunshine reason for living yeah (laughs) so to that point this is the season of solutions and so try as we might it's very difficult when we look at these problems not to spiral into a deep depression and just want to crawl into a cave Mm -hmm. we always are trying to pull out because there is something to do that is that is the hallelujah sunshine so how can people who feel motivated by hearing this join in well, 
I'm going to speak for Virginia because that's where I live. And I will invite Virginians to demand that Governor Northam uh, declare a climate emergency for the state of Virginia, for the great Commonwealth of Virginia, and also declare a moratorium on fossil fuels, uh, new fossil fuels in the state of Virginia. If we want to narrow it down even a little bit more, there is a pipeline called the Mountain Valley Pipeline. It's out in the southwest part of Virginia. Folks have been sitting in trees and refusing to be moved and fighting this pipeline for years. And we think we might have it lit, but we still need more support. So I'm going to share with you a petition that maybe you can invite your listeners to sign. Um, in that regard. And then I guess the last last thing I would say is I'm inviting everyone to get in the movement. Go ahead. If Mothers Out Front isn't your jam, I get that. There are other organizations that are doing great climate work. Find them, join them, and get in it, even if it's just sending some text messages or writing a few postcards or maybe even volunteering to be an organization's social media manager where all you do is share memes all day that everyone can contribute something to this movement whatever your thing is so um but if you would like to join mothers out front we have teams in hampton roads northern virginia Richmond, Central Virginia area, and Roanoke, and we're still growing. And as soon as this, as soon as it's safe to do so, we're going to be doing quite a bit of of things in person. Yeah, girl, yeah, girl, yeah. When I when I hear you ask, you know, Hannah, you were like, "What are some solutions or what are some things people want?" I also think that there is a low barrier to entry because we all have something that I think is environmentally related that we can get into. There's a woman in my civic league who has a huge issue with just people letting balloons go in the air. And recently there was a whole bill for the state of Virginia saying that you can't be releasing balloons to the air. There is a woman who is really heartbroken over plastic straws and is working Mm -hmm. like you can find that one thing. Like, I think with all these different things, you can find that one tiny thing and then move the needle and it all matters. And I think that's the goal of this season of solution to say that every tiny bit matters, even if it's just in your own trash can. Even if it's just what you don't put in your own trash or do it. (laughs) There's a big thing about floss and it can seem so like, am I just getting greenwashed that I'm like now worried about my floss and buying and paying too much for floss? You know, you get kind of like in the weeds over something, but really, so that's why I do love that pick a lane strategy because you see that there's like just so much. So picking something that you really care about and to some people it might sound like straws or balloons, like what's the big deal, but until you start looking further and see the impact of your life and that goes for white supremacy as well. What a mic drop. <laughs> Boom, shake, shake the room. Boom, shake, shake the room. Drop. <laughs> I want to end all of my talks with because of white supremacy. And, then... and that also connects back to white supremacy. <laughs> we laugh and then we cry. <laughs> yep, we laugh to keep from crying. Mm-hmm. All right, you've been listening to your neighbor's hood, and as always, Give us a like, a rate, subscribe, review, tell your friends, and join us on social. Stay open, stay curious, and make it a great day. Cool.
closer to history.